If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. Our hearts go out to uh, Miss Robinson's family. The lies versus the truth. What really happened before the beating death of Shanquella Robinson? I seen the friend in the video, which he claims that there wasn't any fighting and that it was alcohol poisoning. Newly released documents raise a lot of questions about why the Cabo Six were ever allowed to leave Mexico and why the U.S. has not taken any action yet. Then, Mississippi murder mystery? It is 2023, and we're still having lynching. What happened to 25-year-old Rasheem Carter? Was he really found beheaded in the woods? His limbs were disconnected. His spinal cord was found in a separate area. And I'm jamming with Jazzy as she talks new music, female empowerment, and her sexuality. I don't even like using the word gay. I like women, bro. As Diddy's Dope Find brings love in the Memphis grind to the world. My project is so good, I feel like guys don't care. All of that tonight as the Black News Revolution starts right now. everyone, I'm Mara Escampo. We begin with the latest in the case of Shanquella Robinson. We've received new documents in the investigation, which give us a lot of information about the circumstances surrounding Shanquella's death, including firsthand accounts from people who were on the scene. Those accounts highlighting just how tragic this case is and raising two important questions. Why hasn't anyone been arrested yet? And why don't black people seem to be outraged about that? Can you at least fight back? No. Why, why she not fight back? At least something. This video shot inside a villa in Cabo, Mexico, now a key piece of information in the death of Shanquella Robinson. Dejanae Jackson is the woman identified in this video, seen kicking and punching Shanquella. She's now the prime suspect in this case, according to Mexican authorities. Newly released documents reveal a lot of information about the hours right before and after Shanquella's death. But instead of providing answers, they raise many more questions. Shanquella posted these videos to her Instagram stories the night before she died. Don't do it how we do it, because we used to drink Drink! It seemed like everyone was enjoying their first night in Cabo in a Mexican villa. <laughs> the guest registry identifying them as 25-year-old Nazir Wiggins, 28-year-old Elise Hyatt, 24-year-old Winter Donovan, 26-year-old Malik Dyer, 25-year-old Khalil Cook, and 26-year-old Dejanae Jackson. Winter, come on now. Deja, we know you weren't working on upper body when you was working out. Come on, let me see what you got, Winter. Everyone was having fun, enjoying dinner made by a private chef, taking shots and playing drinking games. But official documents paint a very different picture. In an interview report, the concierge says Shanquella was noticeably upset that night, noting she seemed not to fit in with the others. She did not greet me or smile. She was indifferent. She was out of place at that party. 
from there, things get even more confusing. According to a different interview report, the estimated time of this beating video was the following morning, between 7 and 8.30 a.m. The death certificate says Shanquella would have died 15 minutes later. But the concierge says he didn't get a call for medical help until almost 2 p.m., when Shanquella would have already been dead for up to five hours. Dejeuner telling him, I think my friend has alcohol poisoning. The concierge says at some point he heard laughter coming from the group, and later that evening they asked for a ride to dinner, but instead were dropped off at an airport hotel, cutting their trip short and quickly leaving the country. The concierge adding, Miss Jackson had manipulated me to leave the country as soon as possible. Their departure creating a legal nightmare for Shanquella's family, which became clear when the video came out. I seen the friend in the video, which he claims that there wasn't any fighting um, and that it was alcohol poisoning. That's the first person that reached out to us to tell us that information. And then to see him in the video, I immediately called him, but of course he didn't answer the phone. He wouldn't pick up. That friend is Khalil Cook. Shanquella's family says he invited her on the trip and she didn't know anyone else in the group. The ball is clearly in the United States court. Say the that. State Department, the Department of Justice, the ball is in your court. That's right. Do what you have to do. But because Mexico let Dejeuner leave the country instead of detaining her there, U.S. officials would have to turn her back over to them for prosecution. Dr. Don Corbett is a law professor at North Carolina Central University. He knows the extradition process. They've requested extradition. Uh, they have also, from what I understand from the family, they've also uh, said that if the United States wants to take jurisdiction over the matter, that it can. And uh, none of those things have happened just yet. They could prosecute Dejeuner here, thanks to a law saying that a U.S. citizen can be prosecuted for killing another U.S. citizen, even if it happens outside the U.S. Our hearts go out to uh, Ms. Robinson's family. While the White House has confirmed that officials are on the Shanquella Robinson case, because there's an FBI investigation underway, there's very little that we can say. Shanquella's family says they've gotten almost no information about what's happening. They're not telling us nothing. At least give us the decency to call us back. Dr. Corbett says a case like this usually takes months to investigate. What typically happens is once the extradition uh, request is made, it will go to both uh, the Department of Justice and the State Department. The Department of Justice will review the extradition request and uh, essentially look for what's called sufficient cause. Once that's done, then it goes to the State Department, I think, for final approval. The FBI in Charlotte sticking to their original statement, saying that the FBI investigation into the death of Shanquella Robinson is ongoing. We know this is a difficult time for her family and the community. Journalist Jasmine Kanick says cases like this are often moved by political pressure and public outrage. If you talk about applying public pressure um, to someone who is elected by the people, it absolutely can influence them because they're always thinking about their next election and whether or not they'll be sent back to Washington, D.C. We saw that pressure and the outcome in the George Floyd case, but that seems to be missing from this case, leading some to wonder why. We get more upset when um, the police kill us than we do when we kill when when it's a black on black crime, and that's just a fact. Arrest the cowboy six. 
In Shanquella's hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, her family and friends marched, calling attention to the case. They also wrote and mailed pink letters demanding justice and further action from the Mexican government. Their fight taking hold locally, first reported by Gerald Jackson of the North Carolina Beat. It's gotten exactly what we wanted it to, to get, um, you know, people to know what happened to 25-year-old Shanquella. Yet the outrage within the black community is still lackluster. Kenick says this case hasn't been a priority. It just has not risen to the level, I think, where it has caught the attention of the majority of black folks in this country in the way that Breonna Taylor and Trayvon Martin and some of these other incidents have. All it takes is, I think, the right person to say something on social media or the right, um, you know, the right, you know, news story, the right conversation to get folks talking about it again. Yeah, media coverage of Shanquella's case is a really important part of getting justice. And that's why here at Revolt Black News, we are committed to covering the story until someone is held accountable for her death. When we come back, another family's fight for answers. Social media says a 25-year-old man was decapitated and lynched in Mississippi. Police say that's absolutely not the case. We'll get into it. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's. Welcome back. Now to the mystery in Mississippi that has people baffled. 25-year-old Rasheem Carter's dismembered body was found in the woods shortly after he reportedly said he had been chased by racist white men in trucks. Local police say there was no foul play involved in his death. His family says he was murdered. So what actually happened? This is the last known image of 25-year-old Rasheem Carter, shirtless in the woods in Mississippi. The next time he'd be seen would be like this. I think he was running for his life. The aunt, Felicia Cahoe, says that he recently started working in Taylorsville, just over 100 miles from his home in Fayette. The single dad, aspiring rapper, and restaurant owner taking the job to save money to reopen his seafood restaurant. He was an entrepreneur. He loved his little girl. That was his heart. He was doing whatever he had to do to take care of his baby. But Felicia says in October, Rasheem's mother Tiffany started getting disturbing text messages from her son, saying he was having issues with a coworker. Me and the owner of this company, not saying I to I, mommy and told her that if something happens to me, it would be the owner of the company would be responsible for it. Then on October 1st, 2022, Rasheem frantically called his mother. He told her that him and his coworker that he was riding with had an altercation or disagreement. And he put him out. He told him he couldn't ride to work with him anymore. 
That's where Rashim reportedly told his mother he was being harassed by three truckloads of white men yelling racist language. Those close to Carter say he was being threatened by people he knew. Felicia says Rashim went to the local precinct, but he didn't get the help he was looking for. Rashim went into the police station on that Saturday night. He asked for a ride to Laura because that's where his hotel room was. They in return said, um, that's out of our jurisdiction. We can't give you a ride. Rashim asked if he could stay there and wait on his ride. Of course, they said, no, you couldn't. My sister was on the phone with him the whole time and she heard them tell that, okay? The next morning, a ride was sent to Rashim's location, but by then, he had vanished. There was no Rashim, no Rashim in sight. The family claims for the next few weeks, they received no help from authorities and had no choice but to organize their own search parties, a search that ended a month later when Rashim's remains were found in the woods. The search for a missing Fayette County man is over after his remains were found in Smith County yesterday. His body dismembered. His limbs were disconnected. His spinal cord was found in a separate area from his skull. Um, legs has not been found. Only a small portion of Mr. Carter's body has, has been found to up to this very point. Kendrick McDonald has been a coroner for more than 10 years. While he admits animals may have done this, he says he believes this likely involved foul play. There is a chance that um, wild animals could do devour um, a body, whether it be a human body or an animal's body. There needs to be a collective effort to find out, you know, who actually killed Mr. R Rasheem Carter. He clearly told his mother that his life was, was in danger. Despite these doubts, less than 24 hours later, the sheriff's office declared there was no foul play. When the sheriff's department immediately said there was no foul play, it was extremely confusing and upsetting to the family. First of all, there were really limited remains that were found. Also, the context surrounding Rashim's disappearance, you know, suggested that perhaps there was foul play, and he had said that he was afraid for his life. And then the last thing is just that the area surrounding Taylorsville has long been a hotbed for white supremacists, and it has a history of lynching. And so that also, you know, cast doubt on the sheriff's announcement that there was no foul play. The family also says they continue to receive zero information about the investigation. I asked the investigators that they question, you know, the co-workers. We don't know anything about the investigation, period. Nothing. The autopsy report revealed there are no signs of drugs or alcohol. Rasheen never suffered from any kind of mental illness or any of that. But back in February, officials made things even worse with this. Police Chief Gabe Horn posting on Facebook the hosing of a chalked message reading Rashim's life mattered with a waving emoji and the caption, little cleanup. It is 2023 and we're still having lynchings and that, that, that post did not sit well with me. Somebody murdered Rasheem Carter. Now, the family is demanding a federal investigation into what happened in the moments surrounding this photo. If anyone has seen anything um, that involves Rasheem and these white trucks, and I do believe that they were white trucks following him, reach out to me. If you don't want to, don't reach out to your sheriff because I don't trust him and I don't trust the chief of police.
Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now to the latest with the cops accused of murdering Tyree Nichols. Did one of them essentially get off scot-free by retiring before he could be punished? We take a look as RBN goes in the system. I know my son is gone. I know I'll never see him again. But we have to start this process of justice right now. Desmond Mills Jr., one of the former Memphis police officers charged in the murder of Tyree Nichols, must surrender his law enforcement certification license. Representing Mr. Mills, I don't want there to be any prejudice against him when it comes to a court of law. Baldwin is well known here for being a defense attorney for murderers. Mills Jr. will be officially decertified by the Tennessee Peace Officer Standards and Training Commission. After he surrenders his certification, he will never be able to work as a law enforcement officer in Tennessee again. So far, four of five former Memphis police officers charged with murder and Tyree's beating death have been decertified, including Demetrius Haley, Emmett Martin, and Justin Smith. A state panel decided all cannot work as law enforcement officers again in Tennessee leaving the fifth former officer, Tadarius Bean, whose lawyer stated he will not be surrendering his certification at all. Retired before fired, also facing decertification, Lieutenant DeWay Smith, the former police officer who retired with benefits the day before his possible termination hearing over the death of Tyree Nichols. Smith was at the scene of the traffic stop where Tyree was brutally beaten. Lieutenant Dwayne Smith shouldn't be allowed to just retire. They allow him to skip that accountability. During the most recent city council hearing, folks in the community were seeing red. I'm asking this body to pick a side, cover-ups or transparency, brutality or freedom, corruption or accountability. What side are you on? The person got out the car was like, freeze, put your mother hands up while I blow your hands off. The Scorpion Sting. That was the account from Cornell McKinney, who had a run-in with the same Scorpion unit just four days before the five officers beat Tyree Nichols. Hey, man. Now, a previous encounter with Emmett Martin III, one of the officers charged with the murder of Tyree Nichols, was caught on camera in another aggressive arrest, which started as a traffic stop. 32-year-old Davidus Collier says he was pulled over for a seatbelt violation, yanked out of his car, which prompted him to run, and then he later got pepper sprayed and was aggressively detained and held in custody. They've shown through the academy, from comments from the actual people who did the training in the academy, that they had a culture of letting things slide by because they wanted to increase the number of police officers. Once on the police department, they're allowed to go rogue and act however they want. That includes even having disciplinary issues that may have been dismissed on your record, allowing you to be on a special team that gives you detective status and gives you even more autonomy to do whatever you want to people. And you're only held accountable when someone dies. And not when someone dies like being shot, but only when they're beat to death on video for everyone to see. We'll keep you up to date on the Memphis Five, and you can also follow our coverage across our social platforms. After the break, the other side of Memphis. 
I sit down for a sister talk with Grind City's own R&B hitmaker, Jazzy. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. artist Jazzy, the first artist Diddy has signed to his new record label, Love. Kennedy is here with me, and Kennedy, you just sat down with her. Yes, and it really was a candid sister chat. We talked about everything from the cold music scene in Memphis, being comfortable in her own skin, and the bones behind the music that's making her so hot right now. You know, it's a renaissance of just women just being um, just bosses and unapologetic mm -hmm. and just being themselves. And I think that's what's so amazing about today is like you can be whoever you want to be. Show some love to Jazzy! And Jazzy knows exactly who she is and is not afraid to show it. The Memphis native is taking R&B music to another level as one of the first artists signed to Diddy's all-encompassing love record label. Talk to me about what Love Records does for you that you haven't gotten before. I look at Puff like he's not, like that's really a mentor. Mm -hmm. Like I know Puff's kids. Yeah. I be at his house, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, like that's what you get. Like mm -hmm. I, it's like a family, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And yeah. not only that, like I could talk to Puff about anything. It's mm -hmm. like anything. Mm -hmm. Like that's really my guy. And yeah. he's just, Love Records is it's a partnership as well. The two-time Grammy-nominated singer-producer is known for her work behind the scenes, writing for everyone from Beyonce to Chris Brown, and she worked on the remix to Little Nas X's Old Town Road. Now she's proudly stepping out front with the release of her 2023 album, Songs for Women, Free Game for N-Words. What came first, the songs or the title? Um, <clears throat> the title came first with this. Um, and then the intro came. Like, mm -hmm. I kind of like, you know, I'm very, uh, I always say that I love like making songs for women. So what, Jazzy, are the elements that go into writing a song for women? The elements that go into writing a song for women is transparency, mm -hmm. vulnerability, uh, sexual energy, because mm -hmm. a, a woman is a sex sexual being. Mm -hmm. um, transparency, truth, and just love, you know, I yeah. think, and just like, of making a woman feel like sexy, you know what I'm saying? Intimate, mm -hmm. sexual, like all of that. And Jazzy is making music at a time where many believe women, especially in hip hop, are over sexualized. She walks a fine line to not follow that pattern. Talk to me about you deciding to buck that and go with music that empowers women. Like, why is that important for you? You don't have to be a sexual object. You don't have to be. You yeah. don't gotta be 
Becky with the long hair no more. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? You can mm -hmm. do whatever you want. Yeah. And I feel like um, it's just a great time to be a woman, mm -hmm. all types of women. The album cover alone speaks volumes. Jazzy is authentic and unapologetic, especially being a part of the LGBTQIA community in an industry where same gender love can be a touchy subject. Talk to me about the image of you being embraced by this woman, why that was important for us to see. Yeah. But also as an artist, do you, Jazzy, feel unapologetically queer? Because yeah. that's how it presents. The picture is so amazing because like, even just me kissing her, I was really kissing her. her. Mm -hmm. That's my friend, that's really my homegirl. Yeah. And like, this is just like in between sets and I'm just like thanking mm -hmm. her. Yeah. I'm really just kissing her like arm. Yeah. So it really wasn't even a planned photo. I love that cover. We're so connected to what Puff has done. Mm -hmm. And so connected to the, the aura of like bad boy records. Yeah. It's just in you. It's in you. It's in your DNA. It's mm -hmm. just in you. So it came out like this, man. It's in you, not on you. It's in yeah. yeah. It's in me and on me. Yeah, that part. <laughs> but uh but but pretty much like as far as me being unapologetically gay, like I don't even like using the word gay. I like mm -hmm. women, bro. Yeah. If you want to ask me, I'm a woman who like women, bro. Right. Like, terms are just, they, they kind of like lock us in. Mm -hmm, mm hmm You know? I feel like turn, like, like, gay, straight, queer, which is cool. You know, I understand people have to try to compartmentalize it. And, right. But at the end of the day, like, I just like girls. At the Give Her Flower Awards, you talked about containing both feminine and yeah. masculine parts of yourself. That's big. Did you ever feel like there was a certain moment where society was trying to tell you Hell which yeah. box to fit in? Oh, God, what? I just, I've always been like this, but like, I just, I'm not gonna say I just, because I've always been like this, but like, there was a moment where you started questioning and you start like, you know, switching your look up. Right, right. The pictures and you start doing things that you just, not necessarily, it's not that I even want to do it. I didn't care. Yeah. I'm a person like, all right, let's try it. Yeah. I'm going to try anything one time. Yeah. If I don't like it, then all right, it's not for me. You mm -hmm. know? And like, just like at the end of the day, it wasn't me. But you know, like, sometimes you just, people aren't ready for it. Yeah. In 2023, think about it like, out in the world, it's a lot of me's. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? It's yeah. a lot of me's. And I feel like my project is so good. I feel like guys don't care. Mm -hmm. and women don't care. Talk to me yeah. about the sound for this album. Like, what was your intention? My intention was to bring back the R&B that I love. Mm -hmm. You know, like, R&B is here. It's, you mm -hmm. know, like, R&B is never left. But it's just, like, there's certain pieces of R&B that certain artists get that they like, mm -hmm. and, you know, they, they make it theirs. Yeah. This is me, like, um, 90s R&B, is in 2000s R&B was like really uh, something that is really spawned in me, like it's mm -hmm. me. And yeah. I was just trying to bring back elements of like Drew Hill, Cisco. One of my favorite, yeah. Carl Thomas. I was trying to bring back elements of Jodeci. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a woman doing it, yeah. so that's never really been done. Jazzy is the real deal. Her vibe is a direct reflection of Grind City as the music scene in Memphis is popping. Talk to me, Jazzy, about what makes Memphis so great. This is how I try to explain Memphis, because Memphis is really 
gangster city. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, it's a tough city. Yeah. Schools, like, if you in schools, like, I'm so, like, when you see kids actually doing good in school in Memphis, you be like, you gotta applaud them. Cause it's hard, yeah. it's easy to be a product of your environment. Mm. So easy to fall into them traps with your homies and it's too easy, it's too right, easy. Right, right. Um, so, but, but then on the other side of the checks, you know, we got like Koji, like mm -hmm. Church of God, like G. Patterson mm -hmm. had his, the biggest church, Koji Church in Memphis. Right, right. So like all the hood just came from church. Mm -hmm. So either like, er, like every hood got, a cousin or something that played in church that knows how to play an instrument. It's just all connected. Mm -hmm. So I feel like Memphis is just so soulful. Like, yeah, yeah. In church. Yeah. Like, you just got it in you. Like, like if you know your church chords, you you, you can do Jodeci, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I really feel like mm -hmm. that's why Memphis is so cold, because we got gangster shit, but then we also, like, if you look at, even when Glorilla talks, she always talk about God. He got 99 problems and the biggest one is me. We really got like both sides of the track. Right. That's why Memphis is so cold though. I feel mm -hmm. like we just got both sides, but yeah, it's like, you know, like there's really no R&B artists that's come from the city. Right, I'm right. really like, right now the first one like creeping out of this town mm -hmm. from Memphis. Everybody is gangster up. R&B music is vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna say that all the time because you gotta be vulnerable. Cause like everybody wanna, I feel like sometimes guys make songs for their friend, for their homies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Homies ain't vulnerable. Now to another black queen of the movie theaters. Tiana Taylor leads the upcoming film, 1001. And she truly becomes a mama bear out to save her cub. But how much of what we see on screen is influenced by Tiana the mom in real life? Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Welcome back. Family business used to happen behind closed doors, but these days everyone shares everything on social media, including their parenting styles, opening parents up to a lot of criticism about their decisions, whether they're being too soft or going too hard, and what kind of discipline black kids really need. Come here, you gotta learn today, girl. No physical discipline. Mom. Discipline or abuse. I told you being cute ain't shit if you have no education. The question sparked by this now viral video of a mother cutting all of her daughter's hair off as a punishment. Yes, this is what happens when you don't listen to your mom. Thanks to social media, what used to be behind closed doors is now on full display. From verbal reprimands, 
Well, I'm pretty sure you're already known at school as a whore anyway, right? to destroying beloved personal items like this young boy's Xbox game system. <laughs> Even tutorials on the proper way to spank your child. You lead with the hips. It's like lead with the hips and lead with the hips. All raising questions about modern parenting and what's really best for black children. The effect that viral videos can have on children is definitely a detrimental one. Well, let me see a show of hands, a show of hands of parents who spank. Spanking, whoopings, beatings, no matter what you call it, physical discipline has long been a common practice in black households. It's the source of plenty of jokes. Boy, I will slap the caps off your knees. But for some, it's no laughing matter. I got a really bad whipping for it. And when I put on my uh, clothes to go to church, one of the welts from my back opened up and um, bloodied, the, bloodied the dress. And experts say it's prevalent in Black families for good reason. It was, was not that long ago that many times in our families you can see and touch that, the stories that get told. They have a different set of rules for Negroes down there. Are you listening? Yes. And a lot of that comes from concerns about the safety of Black children when they are not in our care. Because a mistake that a Black child could make that is normal, normative, and part of the growing up process of figuring out the world, that you could end up in jail, <laughs> you could end up dead. The body of Emmett Lewis Hill has been found dead. But now that it's hyper-visible on social media, there's a renewed debate about whether it's okay. Research has shown that hitting your kids is associated with lower performance on IQ tests and can actually increase aggression in children. A 2021 study found that spanking may actually affect brain development in children. A child's brain develops in response to their environment. And 80% of brain development happens between age zero and three. The child's parents also help to wire the child's brain circuitry through their interactions through those receptors that I talked about. So when you have parents who are yelling and hitting a child, we started seeing definitions of PTSD broaden to encompass other types of experiences, including things like child abuse. So what does this mean for Black children who experience trauma? So there was a recent study where children that have trauma are often misdiagnosed with ADHD, but the symptoms of ADHD can also present and look like symptoms of PTSD. If I had to predict the future, there probably always going to be, be some Black parents who spank. But, and I wouldn't recommend it, keeping at the center that the more I can nurture this child and teach this child how to um, behave in a way so that they can get the goodness out of the environments that they're in. As for the TikTok mom, she later posted follow-up videos defending her actions. I told her if she continued, I was going to do that. So now I'm standing on my word after exhausting everything else. Even posting a video with her daughter, now wearing a wig. You're not hurt? You're not, I'm not hurt. <laughs> what the hell's 
Joining us now, content creator and podcast host, Sharona Drake Henderson and blogger Jamaica Miles. Thank you both for being here. Um, so let's just get right into it, Sharona. You post a lot about parenting online. What do you make of this trend now of people posting so much about parenting on social media? I think in, in the past we've parented in isolation or whatever we were taught or however we were raised, we just thought it was right. Um, but now we're in a place where things are more social and we're able to have dialogue about what is actually effective for our children. Um, and I think a lot of black parents are now rethinking maybe, and when I say black, I want to be specific about African-American parents, um, are rethinking the way we have raised our kids. And I think it's good that we do that, because some of the things that we've been doing have been harmful. So, Jamaica, I want to ask you about some of the viral videos that we've seen. And often these involve mothers and their daughters, and the approach is in shaming them or trying to embarrass them in some way. What do you make of a lot of these videos that we're seeing that, that in, a, in some ways, are a reflection of kind of modern parenting? It's not physical discipline, but it's something new. What's your take on that? I believe that would affect any child. Um, I believe that discipline should be between the the parent and the child. I remember getting a whooping <laughs> in school one day. My mom came to the school and did it. And I was like, I never want that experience again. So there's a thought in that parent's mind that if we make this a big thing and we embarrass them to that extent that they won't repeat this behavior. But from outside looking in, um, I think that may be a little too harsh. I wouldn't do it to my son personally. What's your approach to discipline with your sons? You have two boys. I am a firm believer in, in spanking with my sons. It worked for them. I'm, I'm not, I don't think I'm being abusive. I grew up with spanking, and so I understand um, the effects of them. My 14-year-old, he made his decisions thinking about the consequences and the repercussions, knowing that if he does something that is wrong, that, okay, my mom's going to get on top of me. She's going to spank me. Um, we're going to have some type of physical consequence. And so when he thinks like that, he finds himself not being in trouble as much. You know, he's thinking about that consequence. And Sharona, your approach is very different. Yes. You talk about restorative justice, yes. a form of gentle parenting. What does that mean, and why do you think that's effective versus more traditional forms of discipline, spanking, whoopings, you know, what so many of us grew up with? For me, the rubric of success is raising a competent, confident, um, and considerate individual. And when um, I'm gentle parenting or I'm parenting my child, I'm always thinking of long-term. How does this affect you to be a leader and a king in the world the way uh, I see it? And if you're being raised, being afraid to make a decision because of how I might respond, that limits your ability to think outside of the box. And so when I talk about restorative justice, I also think about, you know, I worked on the west side of Chicago, right? And I've seen some things when we talk about, you know, police and everything else like that, that I've had to stand up and say, hey, I'm against this type of um, serve and protect mentality. And, but what I also had to carry on into my home is, 
Well, I can't have that same servant protect mentality where if I call your name and I say this and you don't do what I want you to do, I get to beat you. So, Jamaica, in recent years, there have been a lot of studies about how spankings affect children's brain and their brain development. There have been studies that suggest that spankings actually make children more aggressive and it can affect them in other ways. Does hearing that change your opinion at all about using physical discipline on your kids? So I apply that gentle parenting along with the the action because I don't want my son to, you know, be angry and feel like, you know, he's having all of this hostility because of the consequences that I put on to him. Um, but it doesn't change if I'm going to do it or not. <laughs> I'm still going to do it. Um, I talked to my son about it. We have the conversation. I explained to him why the same things my parents did to me, uh, but it is going to happen. But a lot of people make the argument, especially when it comes to black boys, that you have to be hard on them to prepare them for a hard world. Mm -hmm. What do you make of the argument that you are doing a disservice to your son by teaching him this kind of gentle way of discipline and he's going to get out in the world and find a very different reality? I think people are confused when they hear gentle. They think it's, it's soft, it's meek, it's mild. What I'm doing is teaching him um, how to have authority in the world. I'm hearing we're too, um, we're too closely tied to our trauma. You know, so when people when people say, you know, this isn't this isn't black, my child not gonna be out here, you're gonna get killed by the cops. I've had people in my comments say, Good luck when he's shot by the cops. Right? I, I've heard those types of things. It makes me sad, not for my son, but for them. Because if you're trying to tell me to raise my son just like the uh, harsh world outside, then where does a black man have peace if he can't have it in his home? So your whole life, I'm supposed to raise you like there's nowhere where you belong. That, that's not okay with me. At least, if you gotta go out in these streets and fight, I'm gonna teach you how to be smart and make wise decisions, okay? But when you come home, there's gonna be peace here. There's gonna be love here. This is a place where you could cry, but you could also get restored and be accountable. Well, these are important conversations to have, and I'm glad that we're having them. Sharona, Jamaica, thank you so much, both of you, for being here. When we come back, the video that has our Instagram comments on fire, I'll explain. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well, before we leave, we have a question for you. Do you believe in voodoo? How about spells and root work? Well, it turns out that a lot of black women are turning to traditional African rituals for help with everything from money to love. We have that full story on our Instagram page at Revolt Black News. We hope you'll connect with us there. And also on Facebook, Twitter, Revolt on YouTube, our Revolt Black News podcast, and downloading the Revolt app. I'm Kennedy Rue. And I'm Mara S. Campo. Until next time, good night, everyone.
If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.